go to 1 Samuel chapter 1. If you're taking notes this morning, the title of my message is A Model Mum. A Model Mum. A Model Mum. All right, verse 1 of 1 Samuel. It says, Now there was a certain man of Ramathaim Zophim. Why does Pastor love the Bible? Because with a name like Jürgen Matesius, finally I felt at home. With all the weird and wonderful names in the Bible, I'm like, I found my people. I found my tribe. <laughs> Jürgen with a J looks like Jürgen Matesius. It looks like a tropical disease. All of a sudden, throw it in the Bible. It just blends. It just blends beautifully. Ramathaim Zophim of the mountains of Ephraim. And his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, who invented tofu. Possibly, we don't know. The son of Zuf and Ephraimite. He had two wives. Everyone say greedy. He had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Peninnah. The name of one was Hannah. The name of the other, Peninnah. There's a whole thought in there, the other. The other. It's not nice to be known as the other. Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. This man went up from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Also, the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there. The priests of the Lord were there. Whenever the time came, verse 4, Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would, not, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. Verse 6, and her rival provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and would not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? The grandeur delusions of men. <laughs> She's unable to have babies, but he's like, honey, am I not better to you than ten sons? Check these guns out. Hey. When the fridge was leaking, who fixed it? Oh, yeah. Who's your dad? I mean, the, the girls, there is no, no end to the delusion of male masculinity. He thinks he's the answer to everything. Verse 9. So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord, verse 10, and she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. No razor shall come upon his head. And it happened after, it happened, sorry, as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart only, her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. If you're underlining, just underline her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk, verse 14. So Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you, woman. But Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief I have spoken until now. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition, which you have asked of him. 
And she said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went away and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Then they arose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to the house at Ramah. Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Verse 20, So it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Samuel, saying, Because I asked of him from the Lord. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word this morning. Father, help me to speak uh, with, with clarity and precision this morning. This would be a word of breakthrough. This would be a word in season for these magnificent people. Father, bless the mothers today. Bless the mothers-to-be today. And Father, bless this house, every, every person listening to this message today. In Jesus' name, everybody said. I, I like this. And the first thing I want to I draw your attention to is Hannah is, is in the house of God. And she's in the house of God and she's in such anguish of soul. She's in such distress in soul that she's, she's crying out to God. She's praying and she's praying with such fervency that, that there's, there's no longer words to describe how she feels. I'm not sure if you've ever been in a place where you've just run out of vernacular. You've just run out of prayers. It's, it's the Hail Mary you know, Mother of God, blessed be the fruit of thy womb, just doesn't seem to cut it anymore. The, the, you know, our Father who art in heaven, hello, just doesn't seem to, to cut it anymore. Every prayer that you've heard, every hair that, uh, prayer that you've rehearsed just does not seem to, does not seem to, to cut it anymore. You, you've prayed all the prayers. You, you've, you've learned them. You've, you've read them. You've proclaimed them. And still there's no breakthrough. Still there's no pregnancy. There's no conception. And she finds herself in the house of God in anguish of soul in bitterness and she's she's crying out but there's no there's no words coming out of her lips and Eli is there and he thinks that she's drunk because her lips are moving but there's no sound coming out of her mouth can I just tell you that there is there is a God in heaven who hears the silent cries of the hearts of his daughters I, I felt the Lord say to me today to encourage the mothers here today that even though that you, even though your mothers, even though you, you're you're a mama that has responsibilities, you're a mama that has duties of care. You have, you have, you're a mama. You're you're trying to provide for the household, and and the whole house looks to you. They they look to you for assurity. They look to you for comfort. They look to you for you know feeding and and nurture and sustenance. And there's so much so much responsibility. And God says, you know, even though your 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 mothers and mamas today also understand that you're still daughters. You're still my daughters, and, and there are so many, you know, and I felt God say there are so many that, that, that ha have a cry on the inside that seems to be deaf to the ears of men that may even fall deaf to the ears of leaders, that there is a prayer and a cry that is on a different frequency. And just because because your, your, your prayer and your cry has not been heard by the Eli's, has not been heard by pastors and leaders, has not been heard by men, you need to understand that God is on a completely different frequency, that God hears and God sees the cry and the longing of your heart. There are some women, they have a silent cry because when they were younger, a, a man violated the trust, and now there is a cry on the inside. They've been they've been pushed into silence 
they're in a place where there's a scream, but there's a silent scream because shame has overtaken them and they, they are no longer in a place where they can trust a man because of what happened all those years ago and they're not sure who they can tell and he said it was her fault and put the blame and so she is pushed into a place. Can I just tell you today, there is a God in heaven that though men may not be able to hear the scream and the cry of the words, that are, that are not coming from your lips. God sees the pain and God sees the cry and He hears the prayers of your heart because there's no frequency that is hidden from the ears of God. Can I get an amen today? So just, I've got good news. If, if, if you're a mom or if you're a lady today and there's a cry on the inside of you, you, you need to understand there's a God who sees and there's a God who hears. The reason that God says that he doesn't want you to have idols in your life. He says, don't, don't make for yourself any graven image, any wooden image. And he says, they're not the idols of the nations, the gods with a small g of the nations, idols of gold and wood that cannot see nor hear. Why would you bother worshiping them when you can worship the one true God who is a God who sees and hears? You don't want to worship an idol. You don't want to worship a good luck charm. You don't want to, you, you want to worship the one true, he is worshiping worth forsaking all others because there's no husband like him. He is, he is worth forsaking all others because there's nobody who sees and nobody who hears and nobody who cares and nobody who responds like the one true God. Can somebody say amen? So let me really quickly give you three, three thoughts this morning. The, the first thing about Hannah that makes her a model mom is that Hannah lives with comparison. She lives with comparison. She knows where you and I live. The Bible says that, that Elkanah has got two wives. The first was Hannah. He marries Hannah because he's in love with Hannah. She's beautiful. So he marries her. But as the years go past, something's broken. Something's wrong. It's, it's not that there's no love. It's not that there's no lovemaking. It's that there's no conception. The problem is not seed. See, in those days, they did not have social security. Your social security was in your children. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full. Because the more children you have, it's the children's job to, to provide for their elderly parents in their old age. And so if you had one child, all the responsibility fell. But if you had a number of children, it was able to be divvied up and blessed is the man who had. And so he, he, he loves Hannah, but she's, she's not conceiving. She, 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 she's not falling pregnant. So he takes a second wife. He takes a wife called Penina purely because he doesn't want to struggle in his old age. He doesn't want to die. In his, so, so, so Penina brings forth children. So Penina, he comes into her, she conceives and brings forth. So she's able to give him what he wants. But she doesn't get what she needs. Because when, when, when the thunder and the lightning is outside and the rain is, is on the, uh, lapping on the windows and she looks out, she lies in her bed at night longing for the warm embrace of her companion. Elkanah is not in the bed of Peninnah, though she's producing child after child after child. She, 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 she is delivering for him. 
But the bed is empty because he is with Hannah, who he loves, but she's unable. She's the one that gets the snuggle. She's the one, when they go to the temple, when they go up to the house of the Lord, it's Hannah that's given a double portion to give to the Lord. But for Peninnah and the sons and daughters, they're just given a single portion. And so Peninnah sees that, 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 that even though she's producing and she's securing the future for this man, she's always going to be second fiddle. And so she's going to make, sh- she's going to make sure that she's gonna, she, she, she wants to be first. Maybe I can drive her out. Maybe if I just compare myself to and maybe if I just gloat that I'm bouncing baby after baby on my knee I'm nursing baby after baby at my breast and your breasts are a virgin breast they've never nursed a child maybe I can make you feel inferior maybe I can drive you out through insecurity maybe I can make you feel inadequate maybe I can f- make you feel that you are insufficient maybe I can feel like there is something broken on the inside of you because you are unable she, she Hannah lives in a place of comparison. We live in a world today where the greatest pressure, men, on your wives is comparison. And it is only fed by social media. It is only fed by Facebook and Instagram. The Facebook posts and the Instagram posts you see are edited posts. Nobody has life that good. They're in vacation in Cancun. We can't even pay the rent and they're on vacation again. And they just got a new car and their kids are perfect. They're perfect for that second. We get our kids dressed and within, within 30 seconds, Zoe's got strawberry stains all over her dress and, you know, her hair's all messed up and jacked up. And, and uh, it's like, man, you know, this is out of control. And then, then you see the Facebook post and there's the perfect parents on the perfect vacation in the perfect house. And you're like, oh, I suck. And, and we live in a place of comparison. We live in a, Hannah knows what comparison's like. But do not let, do not let what you don't have, and this is where the devil is so quick. He wants your label and your identification to be what you don't have. She doesn't have children, so they labeled her barren. They labeled Hannah, but she was labeled by what she does. It's amazing how many people will allow the enemy surreptitiously through, through Facebook, Instagram, and media to lower your value, to lower your identity, for you to be identified by what you don't got. I don't got a husband right now. I don't got any babies. I, we don't own a home. We don't have the means. We don't get to go on vacation. And he tries to get you to, to lower your worth, your image, and your self-esteem based on what you don't have. Now, I've got to be honest with you. As I began to read through this, it came to the place where it says, and Hannah poured out her complaint before the Lord. Oh, I really don't like that. And God's like, well, you got a problem? I said, yes, I've got a problem with the word complaint because I preach to our church. Don't live with complaint. Complaining is the language of victims. And, you know, and I said, now, God, you've got it in there. And God's like, well, you know, complaining's only bad if it goes to everybody else but me see if your complaint doesn't go any higher than your hairdresser if your complaint doesn't go any further than your barista if your complaint doesn't go any further than the members of your country club if if your complaint does not go any higher than men and women who are powerless to shift it then complaint is bad but God says you know what that my sons and daughters ought to live with a level of complaint and I'm like go on you got my attention now 
What are you saying? He's saying if you in this jacked up, messed up, broke down, dysfunctional world don't live with complaint, man, you have lost it. We live in a world where justice is robbed, where people are violated and beat down and stolen from. He says, you ought to have a level of complaint. He says, you ought, because the devil is a thief. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The devil doesn't steal what belongs to him. A thief cannot steal. But if I broke into my house at 4 a.m. and was climbing out of the window with my TV... You know, ski mask, we call them a balaclava, ski mask, gloves. You know, all black. And the police arrested me. They'd have to let me go. It's my house. It's my TV. There are no charges. They have to drop. There's no, because it's my stuff. So for the devil to be a thief, he's got to steal what doesn't belong to you. I mean, what belongs to you doesn't belong to him. For him to be a thief, he's got to steal what does not belong to him. So, see, he will take your peace. He will attack your finance. See, Hannah knows that Deuteronomy 28 says, And these blessings shall overtake you, that your, 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 your womb will be fruitful. But Deuteronomy 29 talks about under the, if, if we break the laws, that we'll miscarry. She, she's in a place where she's not, even mis- she's not even conceiving. She doesn't understand why it's going on. But what I like about this, this lady is she became a model for me to, to, to write the book Push because she just didn't quit there. If she would have listened to a theologians of the day, the theologians would have said to her, you know, uh, Hannah, we've been studying the Talmud and uh, what we find is, you know, twice there, I'm not sure if you noticed, Hannah, twice in verse 6 and verse 7, it says that the Lord has closed your womb. Not just once, but twice. God's trying to get your attention. And if this is the Lord's will, obviously, He's done it. We don't know why the Lord has closed your womb. Maybe He wants you to adopt. There are many, many children growing up in foster homes. And, 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 and if you sat with any of these theologians, you would go, well, of course. The Lord closed the womb, therefore it must be His will. God doesn't do anything that's against His will, so it must be His will to close the womb. And you know what? One day we're going to get to heaven, and we're going to have a why. Hannah, you know, one day you'll be in heaven. You'll be able to ask the Lord why. And, you know, the Lord moves in mysterious ways. We don't understand. But you know what I like about, what I like about Hannah is she's a model mama. I mean, I like Hannah. Yvette, I got a feeling Hannah was black. I'm just putting it out there. A white woman would have quit. Hannah is aware that the Lord has closed the womb, and she's like, "Mm mm-hmm. Oh, he going to close my, he can just open it up again. Come on, how many people know if, the, if God can close something, He can open it up again? See, a theologian will try and tell you, well, you know, the Lord closed the womb because, and that's what they, after that, He rested on the seventh. No, 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 He didn't rest on He didn't rest because He was tired. And the Lord rested on the seventh. He didn't rest on the seventh day because He was tired. He rested because He was finished. 
The Lord neither sleeps nor slumbers. The Lord does not grow weary. Hannah knows if he closed something, he's still got the energy to open it back up again. We're trying to teach our children. If you open the fridge, you... Anyway, that's just our kids. She's like, if he closed my womb, he can open it. So she goes into prayer. She prays until she does not take no for an answer. Sometimes you got to push. Sometimes you got to persevere. Can I just tell you, your complaint becomes your cause. Your complaint becomes your cause. Sometimes you got to carry that complaint. Sometimes you got to carry that burden. I honestly believe that so much of the body of Christ is living in a passivity that was never, never, never engineered by God. That the devil wants you and I to become complacent. He wants you and I to live in a lethargic Christian expression. The case Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. He wants us to live in a place where, well, you know, if the Lord wills, if the Lord wills. But you won't find that consistent with Scripture. Well, whereabouts, Pastor? Glad you asked. Glad you asked. Matthew eleven twelve. In Matthew eleven twelve, it says, From the days of John the Baptist until now, Jesus speaking, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing. And forceful men lay hold of it. The, the Greek word forceful is the word biasti. Biasti is, is, is literally, the literal translation of biasti in the Greek is violent or violence. That's why the New King James, Matthew eleven twelve, what I just read was the NIV. The New King James is from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. In other words, the kingdom does not progress on the prayers or the activity of the passive. The devil knows that he can neutralize a church by deceiving them into believing that your prayers are powerless, your prayers are incidental, that you and I are so depraved that don't even think that your prayers can influence God. Well, if that be the case, then why is the Bible full of request and request and request and request for us to humble ourselves and cry out to God. That God is a God who answers prayers again and again and again. It is you and I have been given the privilege of prayer. Jesus says, pray that you not enter, enter into temptation. This kind does not come out except by prayer and fasting. Come on, somebody. How many people know that Jesus was teaching the Word of God? You may have grown up with some theology that just tries to render you neutralized fooey to all of that. We're here to tell you today that prayer is powerful. That prayer shifts things. But it's not any kind of prayer. It's violent prayer. Pastor, are you condoning violence against the devil? Absolutely. We need to be more violent with the devil and getting people out of hell than he is getting people out of heaven. The great tragedy of the 21st century is 2,000 years ago the devil was defeated, but today he largely goes uncontested. Jesus defeated the devil 2,000 years ago. We have a generation that's been lulled into a religious apathy because of poor biblical teaching. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. 
then I will heal their land. God is, God is waiting on you and I to activate. He's waiting on you and I to pray. Elijah prayed and the heavens gave their rain. Prayed again. There's something, there's something we gotta, we gotta, we gotta learn. The devil was defeated. But today he goes uncontested. We don't contest for our colleges. We don't contest for our high schools. We don't contest for our families. We just say, well, you know, the theology we were brought up under is whatever God wants to happen will just happen. You know, I'm just an incident. I'm just a little pawn. I'm not even, no, 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 no. You, you're a major player. Okay, you, you, you give me that look. So I've got to break it down for you. Matthew 16, Jesus says, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In other words, the church is a hell-busting, hell-destroying, hell-defeating machine. But it keeps going. That's just the first part. It says, and behold, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Behold, I give you the keys of the kingdom. Okay. Uh, if I gave my little six-year-old daughter the keys to my car, I'm giving her permission to start the car. Now, that car is way too powerful. It's too powerful for my six-year-old. It's too powerful for my 13-year-old. You know, my, my, I got an 18-year-old. He's 18 years today. It's his birthday today. Yeah, I could give it to him, but even then I've got to give him some instruction. Because there are eight cylinders under the hood that, 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 that are too powerful. For, Jesus says, I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. I give you the keys to activate the... I give, there, there is more, if you think there is more power under the hood of your car than there is under the hood of the kingdom of heaven, my friend, you are gravely mistaken. Jesus says, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth, it is so powerful. What is under the hood, what is purring, what is rumbling under the hood, it's so powerful there's no force it'll be bound in heaven whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven it is about time we raise a generation that understand the power that has been given to us the authority that we have in the keys that we possess of the kingdom of heaven you didn't hear me but anyway well, I've got to keep moving so number one she lived with comparison number two she clung to God despite she clung to God despite, you can fill in the gaps, despite what? Despite personal pain, despite disappointment, despite constantly being compared to, despite the ridicule, despite the fact that every time she came to church, every time she went up to the house of God, the Bible says Peninnah, her rival, provoked her to make her miserable. She knew when she was coming to the house of God, Someone was waiting there, ready to make sure that she was going to have the most miserable experience in the house of God. But what I love about this girl, that's why I call her the model monk, is she keeps going anyway. She keeps turning up anyway. She refuses to let the performance of people pull her away from her dedication to God. Oh, you didn't hear that either, but I'm telling you the truth today. 
So many people, are, what happened? Oh, we left church. Why? Oh, you know, they're hypocrites. They're hypocrites everywhere. You talk, everyone's a hypocrite. The word hypocrite in, in, in the Greek literally means an actor, one who wears a mask and acts. Oh, no, we live in the Hollywood. You know what they do for a living? They pretend. Oh, but we worship them. They pretend for a living. They struggle in real life. That's why they're in rehabs and, you know, can't hold down a relationship because they think that maybe if I live in a pretend, no, 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 this is the real world. And in the real world, everybody struggles with. People are going to let you down. Hannah turns up to church, even though there are people they're trying to make her. Don't, don't, don't lower your devotion to God. Hannah knows that the church is the house of breakthrough. She ain't going to let the performance of an usher, the performance of a greeter, the performance of a parking lot welcomer, the performance of a, life, a connect group leader. She, she's not going to lower her devotion to God and her dedication to the house be lowered down to the performance of people. People will let you down. You know, our church is awesome. But I've got to tell you, they're just humans. They're just, they're going to make mistakes. This is not someone who unintentionally, oh, sorry, I was nursing my baby and you don't have any. I didn't mean to. She was purposely, oh, oh, it's such a hassle having these 11 children. Oh, you wouldn't know that because you don't got it. No, she, she was doing it on purpose. She was, man, she still kept turning up. Oh, I love this girl. It gets worse. What do you mean again? It gets even worse because when she is in the house of God, she's praying and the leaders think she's drunk. The pastor Eli goes, put your wine away from your woman. You're flipping drunk. She goes, whoa, whoa, I'm not, I'm not an evil. I'm not a wicked woman. I've neither drunk wine nor intoxicated. She, she is judged. She's falsely accused. She's in pain, but misunderstood. And still, she's in the house of God. She's a model mom because she can hang in there despite. She's in there. She's worshiping God. The Bible says she worshiped God despite the fact that twice it says, and the Lord had closed her womb. And the Lord had closed her womb. It seemed like even God was against her. And yet she still walked into the house of God. Can I tell you, anybody can worship God after they won the lotto. We got all six numbers. Wow, and you're worshiping God. How do you do it? You know, anybody can worship God when everything goes well. What I like about Hannah is she is bringing her worship. She's bringing her praise. She's bringing her offering despite the fact that she's got a big question mark. Why? She has a question mark. Why? I don't understand why God has done this. I don't understand why I'm going through this. I don't understand. I hear that God is love and yet I'm not feeling it. I hear that God is a God of mercy and yet I'm not seeing it. I hear that God is a God of healing and blessing and restoration and right now I'm not experiencing it. You know, why, why, why? She, but she keeps coming to church. Can I tell you, don't let your whys take you out of the house of God. Let your whys keep coming to the house of God because God is good and His mercy endureth forever. You know, the, 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 there is delay but not denial. There is delay but not denial. Things may be delayed, but keep bringing your why. One of the greatest things you can do is worship even when you've got a why in your heart. I don't understand why, but I'm going to worship anyway. I'm going to worship because I know that God is good. I, I'm going to worship because I know that He is faithful. I'm going to worship even though I'm not experiencing, I hear 
sharing the testimony that other people experience. And if other people experience His goodness, then God must still be good. And God is not God is not a man that He should lie. And God is not one who shows partiality. God does not favor one and dismiss another one. God is God is loyal to His principles and His promises. And as long as I throw myself into His principles and promises, I know that I become a candidate for His blessing. Just it hasn't been my time yet, but I'm not going to grow weary in doing good because the Scripture says in due season I will reap a harvest. Right now I may have a why. Right now I may have pain, but I'm going to. Ha- That's why I like this girl. She is a model because she clings to God despite. Can somebody give God a big, big shout of praise? Come on, come on. Last one, number three, number three, last one, last one. She gave into her breakthrough. She gave before she had. See, we, we, we live in a world uh, that says, hey, when, when I've got a pastor, then I'll give it. Oh, pastor, if I just had a million dollars, I'd tithe. Actually, here on, if I had two million dollars, I'd double tithe. Yeah, we think that we can, but God says, no, no, this is how it works. Give and it will be given to you. Oh, hang on, whoa. He's saying give before I got it? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think so. Why don't you give it, then I'll tithe it. And God's like, that's not how it works. And so you, you and I can, you know, get into an argument with God, but at the end of the day, He's like, hey, it's my world, my rules. It's just how it works. Let me just tell you this. The education system that you and I grow up in in the world is not based on the kingdom, it's based on a humanistic philosophy. And humanism will tell you that when you give, it's gone. That whatever you give is gone from you. Once you give it, it's gone. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that, that when you give, even though it's released from your hand, it actually never departs from your life. Whenever you give, the Bible teaches that it goes into your future where it grows and multiplies. Whenever you give, it leaves your hand, but it does never leaves your life. It goes into your future where it grows and multiplies. The rich young ruler comes to Jesus. What must I do to inherit eternal life? You know the commandments. All of these I've kept since you. Jesus looked him, loved him. One thing you lack. Go your way, sell everything you have and give to the poor. He went away sad, very had great treasures. Couldn't do it. Jesus says, if you do that, you will have treasure in heaven. Now, a lot of people misinterpret that saying that, that see, you know, Jesus wants us to have nothing here so we have treasure when we get to heaven. The treasure in heaven is not treasure for heaven. The treasure in heaven is not treasure for heaven. Like I have my money in Wells Fargo Bank. If I was to get, you know, a Facebook post or, you know, an SMS comes up on my phone and there's my Wells Fargo manager going, hey, thanks for putting the money in. in we're in Cancun. Come on, kids. Say, hey, it's funded out. I don't put it in there for them. It's not in Wells Fargo for Wells Fargo. When you give, Jesus says, you store up treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves don't break in and steal. No transaction fees, no foreign transaction fees, no insufficient fund fees. Okay, you're not, you're not hearing. So, so, 
can, can I just tell you, he, heaven, heaven does not have uh, upper class, middle class and lower class. There's no trailer parks in heaven. You know, when we get there, there's not a, not a beggar at the gate going, oh, you know, excuse me, have you got any, have you got any treasure you could borrow? Oh, uh, actually, no, uh, I died and I don't seem to be able to have brought anything with me. Um, you're begging at the gate. Who are you? I was a thief on the cross. Didn't have time to really, you know, do anything. I just, I just scraped in, didn't I? But I didn't realize eternity's you know, such a long time. It's kind of forever. I was good for the first thousand years, but after that, it's got a bit tight, really, hasn't it? You, you don't need treasure for heaven. I have to say that because, you know, I keep getting, you know, persecuted, but I, I love it. I, I, I love it because I know Sonny and Sharice Harris's testimony after testimony after testimony because I refuse to bow to a religious spirit that wants to rip you off financially. I, ref, I, will, I will smash that thing again and again and again because I know once you know the truth, the truth shall make you free. But watch this, watch this. When, when, you, when you give, when you give, it never leaves you. It always goes into your future where it grows and it multiplies. Can you prove that from the scripture? Thanks for asking. If you keep reading Samuel, the Bible says, and it came to pass that Hannah went up to the temple year by year where she would make a little ephod, a little linen ephod for Samuel. So she, she brings forth Samuel. She gives him to Eli. She fulfills her vow. She gives him to Eli. But year after year, she would visit and she would every year on his birthday, make him an, another ephod. Why would she make him a linen ephod? Because he outgrew the one the year before. Now that he's four, he's not fitting in the one when he was three. Now that he's five, he's not fitting in the one. Every year she would, because, because what she gave went into her future and, and is growing. It's not just growing, but it brings a breakthrough and a release because if you read 1 Samuel chapter 2, the Bible says that Hannah writes a song and she says, God has given to her who was barren six more children. The one who was barren now has brought forth seven. Not only does she release Samuel, but God so opens her womb that she has six other babies because of the breakthrough. When you give, it never goes from your life. It goes into your future. Why, Pastor, do you talk about giving week in and week out? Because I know what it does. Because when Pastor Leanne and I first started in ministry, the church could not pay us. You know, they couldn't afford to pay us. I was working at the post office, but I learned that we did not have enough to make it. I had to trust God. I had to take God. Either God's Word is true or I'm wasting my time in this vocation. Teacher, it has to work for me. I'm telling you what has worked for me over the years. What I'm preaching to you is not a theory where I studied on the backside of, you know, Israel with some Hebraic scholars, the Talmud and the Torah. No, no, I, I figured this out from trusting and taking God at His Word and I've seen blessing after blessing. So let me just finish with this because there are some folks that will say this to you, oh, you know, what I don't like about that pastor is, you know, he's teaching that, you know, we ought to give to get, oh, how ungodly, how unholy, you know, I don't give to, to get. No, we should just give because God is good and we should never give to get. 
well, let me just say this. If there's anybody here, I mean, I mean, wow, oh, that's pretty. I've got to admit, I'm carnal. I give knowing there's a benefit to my giving. Oh, I've got to tell you, it's part of the motivation. So let me just, let me just, you know, but, you know, I may be a backslidden, shallow, carnal git. So if, if your righteousness exceeds God's, would you please just take a moment just to fly around the room so we can just take a moment to gaze at your, why would you compare me to God? Glad you asked. Because if it's ungodly for somebody to give, expecting to receive a harvest back on their giving, then really your slander is not against me, it's against the Lord. Well, how can you say that? John 3.16. What do you mean? For God so loved the world that He gave. What world? The world that was separated and lost from Him by sin. God had lost His sons and daughters. There was a, there was a tear. There was a division. Sin had separated mankind. God had lost all of His sons and daughters through sin. So what does God do to remedy it? God takes the very, very best that He has. His only begotten, for, for God so loved the world that He gives His only begotten Son. Why? Because God knew in His act of giving that He would reap back a harvest of sons and daughters of God. God gave with the intention and the motivation of receiving back on what He gave. If it's good enough for the Almighty God in heaven, it ought to be good enough for you and I. Can somebody say Amen? Hannah gave before she had. She gave into her breakthrough. Can I just tell you today, there's a spirit of breakthrough in this house. I want to pray for, for, for every mama in this house. And I want to pray for those who are married but are believing to be a mama. Maybe there are people here and you're miscarrying. Maybe there are people here and you're just having trouble conceiving. This is what I do know. I do know that there are curses in operation, but I know that wherever there's a curse, wherever there's sin, the Bible says God's grace abounds even more. And, and right now we're going to enforce the cross. So maybe there's people here and, uh, you know, we had a lady in our church in Sydney she, she had to have, uh, she had cancerous cysts on, on one of her ovaries and they had to remove it. And she could not fall pregnant. And the doctor says she'll never be pregnant. They ought to look into adoption because uh, her, her left fallopian tube was completely blocked. Not only that, when they did the husband's sperm count, the, the, the doctor literally said these words to the husband. He says, have you ever heard the term shooting blanks? And the guy goes, oh yeah. He goes, well, let me put it this way. Your gun isn't even loaded. Today they have four kids. One ovary completely removed, the other one blocked with fallopian tubes. Uh, the fallopian tube completely blocked. Husband, low sperm count, virtually non-existent. So they'd have four kids because they came to the house of God. They kept coming and they found breakthrough. There is a God who can open what man has shut. There is a God who can open what even maybe previously has been shut. There is breakthrough in the house. If you're a mama and you need breakthrough, maybe there's a mama here, you need breakthrough. Maybe you lost a husband. Maybe you were divorced or, or widowed or whatever. There's breakthrough for you today. Maybe you're, maybe you're a mama and you're just believing for a son or a daughter to come back off drugs. Maybe they're addicted. Maybe they're away from God in rebellion, prostitution, whatever. Can I just tell you, there's a God in heaven today on Mother's Day that hears your prayer, that sees your cry. Even if it's silent to the ears of men, it is not silent before the throne of heaven. And there's breakthrough.